For a long time, it seemed to me that real life was about to begin. But there was always some obstacle in the way. Something had to be got through first. Some unfinished business. Time still to be served. A debt to be paid. Then life would begin. At last, it dawned on me that these obstacles were my life. Bet Howard. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode one of Radical Existence. Today is a very special day because I'm discussing what I would consider to be the book of 2020 with my ride or die, very best friend, Natalie. The book is Untamed by author and activist, Glennon Doyle. The work has been described as soulful and uproarious, forceful and tender. Untamed is both an intimate memoir and a galvanizing wake-up call. It is a story of how each of us can begin to trust ourselves enough to set boundaries, make peace with our bodies, honor our anger and heartbreak, and unleash our truest, wildest instincts so that we can become women who can finally look at ourselves and say, there she is. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Radical Existence, episode one. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of this journey with me. As I mentioned in the intro, on today's episode, I'm joined by my very dear friend, Natalie, and we are discussing the radical read, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. If you have not read or listened to Untamed, I strongly suggest you do. Right now, pull over your car, order the book, and get reading. Did you do it? Just kidding. Okay, here we go. The book is filled with short stories that lead to life lessons with significant impact. Untamed covers such a vast amount of subjects that Natalie and I went into this recording of the podcast with a strategy to share only a few topics that felt most relevant to where we are right now, November 2020. So if there's something that you loved about this book that you didn't hear, know that it was intentional. That being said, there's one topic that we didn't cover in our conversation that's touched on in the book, and that's because I wanted to share one streamlined message, and it's this. We live in a systemically racist society. Racism is woven into the threads of our history and our lives. To avoid that truth is a neglectful act. In her book, Glennon shares an excerpt from the essay, Letter from Birmingham Jail, written by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'll share it with you now. I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than justice who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action. That was written in 1963. I don't know what's next or what to do, 
but I found two black women through social media who are educating white women on how to be an ally to black and brown people. Their names are Ebony Janice and Thea Monet, and I will add links to their social media in the show notes. Please follow them and get educated. All right, one more disclaimer before we get the conversation rolling. So as I mentioned in episode zero, I'm an absolute fangirl of podcasts. I listen to them all day, every day. Turns out it's a lot harder to be behind the mic than you would think. This was an FFT for both Natalie and I. What's an FFT? A fucking first time. It's a coin phrase by Brene Brown that talks about how scary and vulnerable you feel after an FFT. A fucking first time. So please grant us a little bit of grace as we stumble our way through the conversation at first, but we do really hit a stride. And for your listening enjoyment, there's a blooper reel at the end with giggles and laughs, so you can really see what it looks like to record a podcast. Okay, here we go. Alrighty, so welcome to Radical Existence. Uh, today is episode one. So I am here with my absolutely most amazing, bestest friend in the world, Natalie. Hello. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, no last name like Prince. (laughs) Just Natalie. Um, So yeah, aside from being my best friend, uh, Natalie is also a radical woman who read the book Untamed. And so we're going to be talking about Glennon Doyle's work, the book Untamed, and yeah, what we thought of it, how it influenced us during this crazy COVID time. Uh, Yeah, let's just dive right in and we'll see how this pans out. What do you think? I I love it. Let's do this. Perfect. (laughs) All righty. So just first things first. So I ran into Untamed basically right when shelter in place went in place. So maybe April this year. Um, I consider it the book of 2020 and the book of the pandemic. Um, Such a great read. So many important points that if you think about it, Glennon Doyle wrote this obviously before pandemic time, but a lot of it has to do with uh, some issues that got brought to light, especially over the recent election and just what we've been going through culturally. So it's amazing her foresight. She could really see the storms that were coming ahead. Uh, For me personally, this book has had a a great impact with Glennon Doyle's um, sobriety journey. So that's something for me in 2020 that's been a big theme for me. So yeah, this book in particular really influenced my understanding of myself and sobriety. Uh, and with that, Natalie, I'll pass it to you. What what were your initial thoughts when you found I, this book? I too started this uh, this book definitely like around the same time as you. You're the one that suggested it, so I started listening to it. And um, yeah, in the beginning, I I just think that like now re-listening to this, it's interesting to, to look back at when I first started reading this slash listening, I was actually listening to it, but, um, and then now just kind of going back and, and listening to it again and what, 
how differently I think I've taken things just with everything that in that short period of time from April to November, what has come up, you know? And, um, and so it's been, I, I love how she touches on so many different subjects that I think that everyone can relate to this anyone that picks up this book, because it's not so much, I mean, you and I, we have very different lives. Like I'm, you know, I have a family, I have, I have a husband, you know, like, and, and those are things that she talks about a lot in this book, but you as well can also, you know, relate to this book because of other, I mean, she touches on so many things that I just think that everyone should read this book. It's, um, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's probably one of the best books that I've read. And especially in this time, it's just such a great read. You, I, I don't know, it, it does it. She didn't even know all this stuff was going to like pop up, but she touches on so many heavy subjects that, um, are, yeah, are, are in our world right now. And, and so it is, it's, it's, cool to hear she's such a good writer she is um she narrates this really well on audible and um yeah I just I feel like it's relatable right now and it's an amazing book love it absolutely uh you hit on so many things so I too listened to it and while I do have the hard copy Glennon Doyle can read me to sleep any night it's just she Mm -hmm. has such a wonderful voice and reads so well also to that point, I was going to say it in the introduction, but I didn't want to put you in a a box or as Glennon Doyle says it, you know, a glass. Um, but yeah, I wanted you on here for the the mom perspective and the wife perspective, because those are things I can't relate to and really speak on personally. I can say all day long what I would do if, but it's nice to have someone that's actually experiencing those parts of it. So thanks for joining me on this. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start with why we loved this book so effing much. (laughs) Natalie, I'll let you go first. Why did you love this book so effing much? Okay. So I loved this book so effing much because um, I felt like it was just a very real raw and true book. Like I felt like she really, you know, we see so many things I think on social media and, um, you know, you see the stories of people and it's as much as it looks like it's real, it really most likely is not right. So this book to me was like, just so refreshing. It's, it was so, I listened to it instead of read it. I do have a hard copy of it, but just the way that she, um, she wrote this book, I really felt like it was true and meaningful and, um, and just, there wasn't any, um, what do I want to say? Like, exaggeration to it. It was just very, um, the stories in it are very relatable. I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed this book. I, I thought that she did a good job writing it and, um, I liked the setup of it. I just, it, I can't say more enough about 
like how great this book was. Totally. Um, and for those of you that haven't read this book, which I'd imagine my very small group of people have all read it <laughs> that listen to this podcast, it's written in short stories that then accumulate to be big concepts. Maybe I already said that, but yeah, it's a few short stories that are her personal life and things she's experienced that prove her points of really big topics. Is that a good way to say it or support her yeah, views yeah, on really big you. topics? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So um, I loved this book so effing much because for me, it was the first time I heard my story and also related to someone on such a a unique and similar level. I'd never heard people say the things that she said in this book. I didn't know other people felt that way. Something that's really important for me to talk about, at least where I'm feeling the most radical in my life, is with my sobriety journey. And what I love about Glennon Doyle bringing a voice to the person in recovery is that she really doesn't focus on the alcoholic behavior. What she focuses on is the feeling caged in behavior. That's what a lot of this is about, is reclaiming your wild to come out of the shadows and start to be who you are. And in the recovery community, I think there's a lot of focus, or in mainstream society, there's a lot of focus on the brokenness, and then a lot of focus on the one thing, on the the drug of choice, you know, rather than it being on what what made you sick in the first place, what was the the driving factor in needing to hide. So I just want to bring out a few of the points with relation to that. So one of them for her was being just highly sensitive. You know, at 10 years old, she says she started to hide, hide in her body, just feel less than, relating that to being in the, you know, as just a female in general, being small and quiet and polite and swallowing the other feelings that didn't fit into that role. And for me, I can personally really, I have a memory of being 10 and just being a very sensitive person and always seeing the impermanence of situations. I remember looking at a class photo in fourth grade thinking, this is going to end in two years. Oh my gosh, you know, feeling just this dread and horror at such a young age, you know, the impermanence of life. And I can relate that to my grandmother. I can relate to that to a few different memories I have from being a child. So just hearing someone say, you know, it starts... We start young with this sensitivity. We start to shovel these feelings or push them down really early on. And so then you find your coping mechanism. Um, and she refers to that impermanence as the ache, just in case, you know, if you want to reference it, the ache is what she calls it. So then with sobriety too, she talks about the relationship with her family and I'm going to add in friends to that. And from her experience saying, it's never that I didn't love you. It's never that I wanted to be this selfish jerk person to you. It's that I just couldn't love myself. There is a, a boulder between myself and being able to love you. And again, I feel like that's just a story that's not told. It's always told 
you know, selfish and wrong and bad rather than this person is in is hurting greatly and also wants to reciprocate good feelings, um, but just can't. So I feel like she gives a really good perspective to the the illness, kind of this holistic illness that addiction can be. Uh, and the last thing is that we're in a sick society. She really wraps it up at the end, looking at the way that we run this this thing and we expect to be okay in it and calling the people that are, you know, having trouble and the more sensitive souls that live in this society, looking at them as canaries in the coal mine saying, no, this isn't okay. If you're okay with this, maybe that's the sickness. So I just, I appreciated having someone focusing on the deeper issues because it's never about the drug. It's about the the feelings behind it. So that was pretty radical for me. And it it gives me confidence in my journey and helps me to feel strength from my journey rather than feeling shame and guilt and all those feelings. So Natalie, this podcast is radical existence, meaning that we're we're digging deep to the root and finding our truth and really living with are finding our personal intentions and not letting society tell us how to be and what to be and who to be. So I'm curious what, if there's one thing in this book, I know there's so many, but one thing in this book that stands out to you is that's meeting your radical right now. So I think um, for me, I kind of, uh, the things that stood out to me in this book were, were, uh, being a mother and I feel like being and be and and being a woman raising um raising my daughter too and I felt like uh, there were several stories in this that I did feel like they were my stories you know she had her 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 oldest um she has three kids and I and she had her oldest when she was 26 and Um, I was 26. I think she was 26 now that I'm saying that, but I was 26 when I had my daughter and just the struggles of being a somewhat young, um, her, her story was very similar to mine. Like she was not, she was shocked when she was, she found out she was pregnant. I was in the heart of, you know, kind of a a party time (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, just did not expect that, that would ever happen, you know? And, and it was funny because the way that she said her story was, I was like, oh my God, this is me. This is how I felt when I was sitting on, um, in front of the salon smoking a cigarette, like what, like this is happening right now. Like I cannot believe this. And, um, and just, so the struggles of being a younger parent, not expecting it, being, so nervous yet so excited and um so it was interesting to hear that and interesting to hear then her raising her kids and her raising her daughters and um how important it is and especially now I feel like it's super important because we are touching on so many heavy subjects that our kids are hearing. And, um, so it's so important to not, to make sure that we're not, 
necessarily raising, but just more aware of like what you're saying, like remembering when you're 10, I remember those experiences too. Like I couldn't even go up to the cafeteria lady and tell her what I wanted from the cafeteria. I had to have my mom write on a envelope what I wanted. And I just handed it to her because I was just so not, uh, you know, just shy and not confident. And, um, so I, I, I took out of this book that, we really need to be, you know, on top of, of being the best mother that we can be. And, um, for, for me and, and making sure that my, my daughter and my son are, um, are aware of these things so that they can get through this, this world that we live in because it's not easy. And, um, I mean, right now it's super heavy, but, that's not the only time in our lives that things are going to be heavy. She touches on so many things that can be happening heavy in life, death and birth. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, so just, just making sure that we don't, that we raise our kids with that, that confidence. And, I, and so, yeah, that's kind of my, my take or what I kind of really, um, took out of this book the most, I think. Yeah. Oh, Natalie, you talked on so many important things. I remember one of the stories she talks about is with her daughter looking at magazine covers. And the magazine covers are uh, thin, pretty women. And then she says, well, look around. Is that what you see represented in the real world? And at the beginning of this, you were talking about social media and what truth really looks like versus what's put on. And yeah, maybe we could dive into that a little bit. How do you address that with your daughter? How do you address that as someone who is a stylist and kind of bridges the the real world and the the stylized world? <laughs> right, right. And I and I do feel like that is a it's a it's a hard um it's hard because we are, I mean, I'm 41 years old and I, you know, it's like, I think that we need to stop this now, but being not necessarily raised, but, but having so much of that, you know, as a child being insecure and that leads to as an adult being insecure, no matter what you're told, you're, you just have this deep, lying and security. And so I even find myself like catching myself with my daughter, like, okay, you can't say this or that, or you don't ask her, you know, just different ways of saying things. Like, don't ask her if this, does this make me look fat? You know, like that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's, it really is challenging. It's challenging because you want to do the right thing for your daughter, but you have your insecurities as well. And so, um, you know, Glennon, there was a story about her girls wanting to get their ears pierced and, um, how being brave is means doing something that you don't necessarily want to do. And, um, and it was just, it was really funny to me because I, I know that I've been in those situations before to where I'm like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, everyone else is doing this. So I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to suck it up and do it because that's what you have to do, you know? 
And um, so I think it's more so just teaching our kids um, that they don't have to look a certain way, do a certain thing just because everyone else is and um, that they can have their own opinions on things. And, and I mean, we need to practice it as adults, not just kids, but I think that we can change the way or at least help um, with, you know, like, let's just say my daughter, like help her so that she's not 41 and still having these issues of when she was 10. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> No, I totally understand. And one of the things that she was talking about with the ears piercing is you have to look into yourself and decide what's right for you. And I, I just think there's a depth to that. When you've been through those experiences on your own, when you felt that pressure from outward sources, and at least my impression of her, I know for myself is I have to swallow my the voice informing me, but, and I have to do the action because someone else told me to. And I think that's what she's really highlighting there is you have to listen to your own inner knowing. And she says it a few different times, but quiet down go deep within and figure out what's right for yourself and teaching our daughter, sons, students, how to do that is so important. And then to the beauty industry, I was thinking about it. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Nat. I, people come to me for fitness, for wellness, and it is really hard to have that conversation or to market with truth. You know, my, my main goal is not to have help people get Brazilian butts or whatever the trendy thing is, a six pack of abs. <laughs> My goal is all over wellness, but to communicate that you have to speak someone's language first. And it's just, I think it's one of our, our main missions is to explain that beauty isn't, you can feel good about yourself when you get your hair done or after you've worked out, but it's not, necessarily for that outward reason that we think going in is that right, kind of right definitely and and you know for me personally the part of my job that I like just as much as you know the the coming in looking one way and going out looking a different way or not a different way but you know the, yeah a different way um is the relationships and the conversation. And that to me is more important because I think that ultimately, yeah, you get your roots touched up, you feel better about the way that you look. But I think that a lot of what people don't connect is that it's not necessarily them walking out thinking that they look better. It's feeling better because you've expressed things that Maybe you don't tell everyone. I mean, you definitely don't tell everyone maybe, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's like, it's the all over, you know, and, and same with your industry. It's not necessarily that you walk out from one session with the perfect butt or the perfect abs. It's that you've had that connection with a human being and you've had, um, you know, you just feel better because you got up and you moved or you got up and you talked or you got up and you expressed yourself. So I, I feel like it's, it's deeper. And I feel like she 
that's what she's trying to express is like, it's deeper than just that outward, what's on the magazine cover. Um, it, it's, it truly is a deeper connection than that. Absolutely. And you spent time quiet and with yourself. I think in both of our industries, I mean, I know that you're with your client and talking with them. And so it's maybe not quiet, but it's still an hour and a half to two hours away from regular, the regular go of life. There's a, a, you're still, you have to sit still in that chair and you have to let someone take care of you too, which it really is a beautiful thing. Cause again, in this society, we, especially women, she talks about it as being uh, the mother is the martyr and we hold on high people that are selfless. And she says, no, I don't be selfless. Be, be totally selfish. And selfish isn't a bad thing. Taking care of yourself is a good thing. And it sets more of an example for your kids or for the people around you when you can accept help and you can accept someone taking care of you. You know, I don't know where that narrative came from with women, but it's, we will not let ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be taken care of too. (laughs) Totally. And, and I think that the selfish thing, I had actually a client tell me that because I was feeling before my 40th, when I was really, truly taking care of myself, um, with your help, um, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I was taking a lot of time for myself and more time than I had ever taken ever, especially since having kids. And I was expressing to a client, like, I, God, I feel so selfish. Like I'm, you know, working out five days a week and I'm, um, you know, eating different food and I'm, you know, and I'm, and maybe eating different food means not cooking for the entire family sometimes, you know? And I was like, I feel so selfish. And, and that client said to me, Natalie, that's not selfish. That's actually the opposite of that. And I think that we just get this and I don't know where it comes from. And I don't know if it's, I think that, that maybe women get it a little bit more than men. I can't, I can't speak for men though, but, um, but like we just get this idea in our head that we have to, um, give up everything. And if we're doing anything for ourselves, then that means that we're selfish people. And I just think that like, we need to like somehow wash that out of our minds because it's not being selfish. We're actually being selfless because the more we take care of ourselves, the more we're going to be able to take care of other people. So I, I was very grateful that that client said that because I was feeling like, wow, like I, this is the most selfish I've ever been in my life, but it's not the case, you know? So we do have to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. Which you touched on points when you said, I can't speak for men. So I want to bring up two <laughs> points that were in this, in the yes, story. She does talk about men. It was, it's not just about women. She, <laughs> <laughs> she does. And the two major points, the first was the story she tells about the Alexa commercial that she had seen where the mom was going back to work, leaving baby with dad and had set alarms or timers 
to remind the dad of things to do throughout the day while mom was at work. Point being, or how she wraps up that story is, has this man never lived on the planet Earth before? Is he really so incapable of just regular life things? Why would he be more incapable of taking care of the baby than the mother? So, you know, that's just another way that marketing and society pushes that idea of woman needs to do all, man can't do any uh, right. into our mind frames, though it's totally untrue. And the second, because I'm so curious, she talks about raising her son and you have a son uh, and raising him equally, number one. And then number two, uh, giving permission to be a feeling, a full feeling and expressive man, which we don't talk about that. She talks about with her daughters, you know, preaching feminism in some type of way, but with our boys, do we really allow them to be creative and artistic and sensitive? Is that something that we equally give attention to? So I'm curious what you thought about those two facts, because you've had a husband and some babies. (laughs) You know the drill. (laughs) Um, I, I am very guilty of all of it, honestly. Like, I am very guilty of as soon as I became a mother, I thought that I had to control certain things and that I was the only one that could do it the right way. And she says it perfectly. She says, what makes this woman think that she is any different from this man. They both have a new baby. Like she's not a pro. She hasn't had babies before. He's not a pro. He hasn't had babies before. So they're actually on the same playing ground, but like what makes her think that she's this expert. And, um, and I am guilty of it to this day. I honestly, like I am guilty of it to this day. I can't help, but think that my way is a better way. And I, I have never been like that. I've never been a controlling person. I've never been, um, yeah, my way or the highway type of thing, but I can't help it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's like something that happens when you become a mother or, um, or what, but I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. And then raising a boy. Oh my God. I feel like I remember I I grew up with two sisters and, um, so I remember the day that I went in for my ultrasound and I was told that I was having a boy and my response was, Oh my God, you know, and not tears of joy, not any of that. Cause I already had my daughter, you know, and, um, and I called my mom immediately and I said, it's a boy. And she was like, and she started laughing and she just, she was like, ha ha, no way. You know, you're, you're joking. And I was like, no, really. And I started crying and we both at the same time said, what are we going to do with a boy? And so, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, you just think that you have to raise these boys differently. And so I grew up with two sisters. I knew what, what girls are like, you know? And so having this boy, I thought, oh my God, like, what do I do? What do I do with this boy? This boy, like, what do I have to teach him? What do I have to, I don't know boys, you know? And, um, so it's, it's been interesting raising a boy and seeing actually how easy it is to raise a boy because they're, 
isn't that much of a difference. Yes, stereotypically we, you know, boys are rougher and tougher, but she touches on that. And that's not necessarily the way that boys are naturally. And so why are we forcing things on either sex really that are not really the way it's meant to be like we don't need to be like come on Troy let's go you know uh ride your bike and be crazy or or wrestle or whatever it's like we don't you can raise your boy to be sensitive why do we have these like um expectations of boys and girls when really it's like we're kind of doing a disservice to them so Mm -hmm. yeah and Natalie, you just, you made this wrap around so well because how Glennon says it or starts to link it to bigger behaviors is, you know, the man that rapes the woman or that it has so much rage that he goes in and causes physical violence to something. That's the product of a society that doesn't allow men to feel and manage feelings in a, a steadfast way. So that's how she I just she creates so much depth with those small stories about her son and seeing it in this big picture which is just so brilliant was there anything that we missed that you want to talk about I mean that's the I was like kind of like going through the book and I was like god there's so many things that it's just hard to like focus on it you almost have to just focus on just a couple topics because she goes over everything in life. Totally. <laughs> you know what totally. I mean? So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit overwhelming of a book because you do have to, it, what resonates with you right now might not resonate with you six months from now. I don't know. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's hard to sum up this book. It really is. Absolutely. Don't you feel like that? And on that note, yeah, we're going to try to sum it up. So (laughs) you gave me an idea. (laughs) So top three takeaways for me reading this book in April 2020 and November 2020. Uh, The first story that really, really resonates with me is the story about dragons. So in a nutshell, what she says is she has a snow globe that has a dragon at the center of it. And when you shake the snow globe, the dragon disappears and gets covered with all the circling, spiraling snow. But eventually the snow settles and you can see the dragon again. And for me, this idea, this story makes so much sense to me because what I I get caught doing when I'm not in my meditation practice, not being centered with myself is going, 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 creating, working. And not taking time to stop and look at the things that are my dragons, things that might be causing me really deep discomfort or harm, untruths. And my patterns in the past have been going to addictive behavior, be it drinking or now I'm playing this game on the computer that I really like, but using a behavior to take away that uncomfortable when really it's sitting with the uncomfortable that we get to move on and evolve and do new things. So the first story for me is dragons. The second is the story where she says or rereads, be still and know. 
those words have really been coming into my mind and my heart lately. Be still and know. And then thirdly, I guess the overall message that that those bring out for me are being a a woman with a voice bigger than I I would like to be, more honest than I would like to be, working towards not being polite but being truthful and yeah, not being scared of the repercussions that come with that or the repercussions that come from that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. really good. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. I feel like I've read so many books by female authors that are trying to make you relate to their stories. And I really, I feel like Lennon did such a good job on this book. I feel like she, she had the stories, but she also had stuff to back it up. And I feel like the other books that I've read are these stories that are trying to make you laugh and trying to make you relate to stuff that is really not the truth. And I feel like that's what I loved about this book is that it was so true. And you didn't have the feeling of she's trying to entertain or um, write something that maybe is a little bit made up. Like this is so true and so honest. And um, that's why I really related to this more so than any other book that I've read. And it's like not stories to make you laugh. It's stories to make you think. And um, so, yeah, I just, that's it. That's all. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. Oh. All right. And that concludes our conversation on the radical read, Untamed. I'm Jennifer Kern. Thank you so much for being here. If you're interested, I'm on all social media platforms under the handle Radical Existence. Or you can check out my website at www.radicalexistence.com. For you and I, typically you kind of are, I don't know, I feel like, um, okay, never mind. I'm not going to go down that. You can edit that out. I was waiting for you to say the radical one, but that's okay. (laughs) Find out next week what Natalie really thinks of me. No, I just didn't want to make it awkward, like, oh, you're, you know, freaking single or whatever. I just, I didn't want to, like, go too, too much on that, so. Love it. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Good idea. I have soda water. What do you have? I have uh, bubbly water. Yeah, I have bubbly mango. Oh, I, oh, the brand bubbly? That's strawberry. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, fun. Slay all day, yes, bitch. <laughs> mm. Hold on. I almost remembered what I was going to say. Uh, Glennon Doyle. Glennon Doyle. Let's try that again. <laughs> you and I are totally different birds, you know? <laughs> so it's well, just we're not different. really... We're not different birds, but yes, we have... <laughs> I think we're, we're in different lifestyles right now i wonder if this is how normal people do this can we take a little like just break like a yeah yeah let's do it (laughs) i think you and i can see that in the depth of our friendship too so so here we are making a podcast yes (laughs) the perfect thing to do (sighs) yeah
Cheers. Cheers to bubbly water. Buble. Buble? Is that what it's called? No. <laughs> I don't think it's spelled like that. It's spelled like bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's bubbly. Okay. I guess to begin, the overall feeling that I took away from this was that, uh, shit, I don't even know. <laughs> so many feelings. <laughs> um, so many. 